0: And gentlemen, welcome
1: to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet.
0: Hello and welcome back to ESSR Central here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I am your main host, Ross McLeod, and please welcome the assistant to the host, Scott (laughs) McLeod.
1: Hello, thank you. I'm glad to be back for the first time, back, you know, second time in as many weeks. You know, as assistant host of Central.
0: Assistant to the host of Central.
1: Not <laughs> semantics at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> well, if you'd like to listen to more shows of us bickering, more Centros, more, more news, previews, interviews, and reviews, then you can look up. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and all good Android podcasting sites. And if you want to get involved in the conversation and discuss the wacky world of wrestling and everything that's happening in it, that's at Suplex Retweet on all our social media platforms, right? I was in two minds, ladies and gentlemen, about doing a central because I did one on Friday with a very good Mr. John Isherwood. We released that on the... No, sorry, we did it on the Wednesday, we released it on the Thursday and I thought before I go on holiday and before Central dips with someone else hosting it for a while I thought we could do a wee Central on the Monday and I thought there's not going to be a lot to talk about oh boy was I wrong first off, uh, NXT UK is no more NXT UK after the World Collide event on Clash at the Castle weekend will be transitioning into NXT UK this follows Vice President of Talent Development Creative Sean Michaels, that said, following the su- success of the show's live events and talent identification efforts, efforts throughout all of Europe, the company believes the time is right for them to be expanding beyond the UK. Scott, not um, not exactly a shock, considering you know the past two champions, Elia Dragunov and uh, the former Walter, now known as Gunther. Um, people like A-Kid winning the Heritage Cup, people like, I don't, well, I mean, Ireland, Ireland's not in the UK, and we've had Jordan Devlin and Tucker and the likes, uh, Finn Balor, all wrestling in NXT UK uh, in recent years. So, uh, yeah, just a, not not a case of NXT closing, but NXT evolving and going, growing into the next step. Yeah,
1: definitely, and the, the nxt World brexit does not happen and you can still have uk wrestlers <laughs> wrestling as part of a european brand uh yeah it was interesting that they made this announcement and it's kind of interesting because you know you got your core uh NXT uk guys all other people who are mainly watched WWE be exposed to some newer people from different you know countries and different promotions from across europe i know like for people who only have a little a small eye on the European scene. You know, I only know of countries like Germany that have a big wrestling scene, so there's a rich talent pool there, but maybe people from other countries you don't think of as big wrestling scenes popping up and becoming stars on that brand. And it also could be a good crossover over the main NXT brand, because before the UK, you know, closed down, they were sending some of the newer 2.0 stars over to the UK. to kind of a, a real launch of the territory thing, like you send them over there, you get some more season and get more experience, under their belt. I was talking about this with my friend the other day about, you know, all the good stuff that's happened since Triple H has taken over. And I talked about this stuff with NXT and everything. And it feels like Triple H, the minute he got back in control, because all this stuff felt like it was being swept away and like all of Vince's vision for NXT over the last year. But now that Vince has gone through, which just came back into his first meeting. is like, Henry Crave sat down with a big file that says NXT expansion. And I went, great. About this global globalize
0: NXT plan <laughs> look Paul we were discussing the uh, live events yeah about that here we go NXT but um, as you mentioned a lot of 2.0 stars going over there uh, Sean Michaels mentioned uh, the recruitment strategy uh, throughout Europe um, we may have new stars coming in and with every sort of Change. we talked with NXT 2.0, a lot of stars going out. A lot of NXT UK wrestlers have now left the company. Uh, 21 releases exactly, I'm just going to run through them quickly. Uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, the former NXT UK Tag Champions. Uh, Will Bore, also a former NXT UK Tag Champion. Uh, Amal, Zia Brookside, Eddie Dennis, Saxon Huxley. Huxley. Amir Jordan, Danny Luna, Dave Mastiff, the famous Frenchman, uh, Amelia McKenzie, Primate, Nina Samuels, Sha Samuels, the former GM, since Scala, uh, former NXT UK and NXT Tag Team Champion Trent Seven, uh, Ashton Smith, Jack Styles, T-Bones, TMN, and Kenny Williams. Uh, it appears that it, it, it looks like there's going to be a complete rebrand on both sides of NXT. It looks like those ready to take the step up from NXT UK to NXT are currently over there. We saw the likes of Gallus uh, and uh, Blair Davenport, Tyler Bates showing up there. Uh, it looks like those that aren't going to make the cut and aren't going to be featured in NXT Europe, they guys have sort of been put to the side uh, to make, make way for the new wave. And yeah, it just looks like these people hit their ceiling and that's that for nxt uk
1: yeah it's unfortunate for the people who were released some of them who already have announced their first like return date to the independent scene like the kelly's has already been announced for shows in scotland because i believe they've only only got around about 30 or so day non-compete given they were under an nxt brand but W has said that they would be open to bringing some of these guys back when the Europe NXT launches. There's a case of between Worlds Collide and the launch of NXT Europe, there would be a long hiatus where they wouldn't be able to like do anything with them. So they feel like, oh, it's, it's not right for us to keep them here, let them go. And if they want to come back when NXT Europe launches again, if not, then you know, best of luck to them. You know, I did see some people joking, three weeks before a show in Wales, all of your Welsh talents have been let go. But to be honest with you, what, who, there's still going to be a large portion of people from Wales who probably don't watch NXT UK, so probably say, like, oh, someone's from Wales. don't know them, but all right, they're from here but we, as well. But.
0: We saw that at the start of, uh, before NXT UK, and it was WWE UK, when you saw the WWE live events and they had the six-person tags featuring the UK superstars, even though, like it was Glasgow, Scotland, or Birmingham, England, or whatever the town was that person was from, that was getting the pop. It wasn't them. There was still a big portion of the of the main roster uh, audience that really didn't know these people.
1: Yeah, and you know the biggest one I think in that list is probably Trent Seven. I know you guys joked about you know Tyler Bay. His UK title hasn't aired yet. I believe it's seven who he defeats in the final, you know, paying off the fact that Stone turned on him several tapings ago, however long ago they taped that. But it's weirdly fitting that he, most of run has basically been like to help elevate Tyler, who WWE saw more potential. I mean, the younger competitor of the two reveals almost fitting as seemingly for now final match in WWE was to, to lose to Tyler and help Tyler reestablish he establish himself as the singles champion becoming the first ever two-time NXT UK champion. But, for but In the meantime, the guys that are around, it would be nice to see those belts get kind of defended on you know, the main brand NXT for all the likes of Galax, uh, Tyler Bate, you got Miko Satamora still on a contract. Eli Dragunov's injured now, but I'm sure he'll be back and be featured on NXT, 2.0 you know, for a little bit. Uh, they also announced that Jenny and Charlie Dempsey, the, the son of William Regal, are both going to be moved over to NXT 2.0. <laughs>
0: All right, I I, I said this um, before. Like stuff started happening when me and John spoke about this last Wednesday. I said the best thing to do would be not to merge the, not merging them into one brand, but having having both, taped at the same time. Like if you're doing it in the Capital Wrestling Center, do NXT UK two weeks of that and two weeks of NXT. If you're going to the UK then tape NXT and NXT UK. NXT UK gains following in America for being in front of American crowds. NXT uh, has the sort of draw of the local wrestling as well, when they go and tour in the UK with NXT UK, or NXT Europe, sorry, as it is now. But, yeah, it just, it makes sense to put the two of them together, because if there's going to be crossover, then you don't want to be like, oh, well, they are you know, they're six weeks ahead of us, so guys will be showing up on, you you know, uh, when the Undisputed Era were fighting uh, Imperium, guys were showing up on NXT UK, like the Undisputed Era, but NXT was so far ahead that there was going to be no retaliation before the likes of World Collide happened.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering about A-Kids. we mentioned him a few times. He's never wrestling... For whatever reason, under a mask as Axion or whatever he's called now, uh, an XT But I'm wondering when, around the time of XT Europe, will he decide, like, no, let's sack this, let's let him be a kid again? Because I think he could be one of your main stars if you're doing like a European focused kind of brand. He needs one of the few actual Spanish born, like, wrestlers, wrestlers from Spain that the are actually signed.
0: Well, The NXT Europe um, being a brand also brings the question Will the WWE, sorry, the NXT UK Championship be the mid card title? And will that lead to the uh, the NXT European title? Will that be the main title? Will they bring back the classic European title to maybe be the mid card title? What do you think is going to happen here?
1: It'd be weird weird to have the main title of a brand that's called NXT Europe be the UK Championship, whereas the European Championship is like the mid-card belt events be and how they do it. I think keep the NXT, keep the UK belt around, but maybe, like you said, move that to the, have a mid-card belt, make that like their version of the North American belt and NXT 2.0. And they have like a version of the European title. I know many of us would like to see the original European title brought back, but I don't think it's a case of you, you should get your hopes up. Whereas I think the other belts will be rebranded like the tag team ones will be rebranded like they'll keep the same champions but like rebrand them which is like includes the words NXT European NXT Europe Thai team and women's champions but I think they'll keep the 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 I think they'll keep the UK belt as a mid-card belt
0: that's that's fair enough and we obviously we mentioned Worlds Collide uh, it looks like we're going to have Tyler Bay and Brom Breaker going up against each other. Uh, Brooks and Jensen currently hold the NXT UK titles. I can't really see them going up against against um, Diamond Mine, who currently hold the title, I think. You know, like last time we had the, um, the Cruiserweight title on the line in a sort of cross-brand uh, match, I think you're going to see Gallus going up against... Uh, the diamond mine and maybe a six person non-title match and I think Brooks and Jensen represent the NXT 2.0 but holding the NXT UK titles going up against a team from uh, NXT Europe.
1: I think I think, uh, uh, they have announced at some point this week, I think it's this week on NXT 2.0, it's Briggs and Jensen versus Gallus for the belt, so I'm assuming it's a case of like, right lads, you know, I think we had a plan for you as the US guys to win these belts, but now we like to, look, now we need them back on a, a team that's actually from the UK. So we'll give <laughs> the belts back to these guys. It'll be it's Wolfie and and Mark who were the tight chance before when Gala sailed the belts uh, that will be challenging them. I'm assuming they'll be bringing Joe in as a as a singles guy like they used to be, which is which is interesting because Joe only just recently returned to UK after a long break and Mark Coffey. Last I think from NXT UK was the Heritage Cup champion. I'm assuming that will be put to the wayside.
0: Yeah, make that a yearly thing. Maybe like the Heritage Cup is the you know the NXT UK title, uh, the NXT UK tournament from now on. It's 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 weird. There's going to be a lot of changes. All we can do is speculate at this point. But yeah, it looks like going forward we will have a change. obviously with NXT Europe and NXT 2.0. Um, let's talk about Survivor Series coming up because Survivor Series a few years ago did feature the likes of NXT, um, but it doesn't look like it's going to feature this year. I think a lot of people thought with Triple H returning that NXT would return to, to Survivor Series weekend. However... Graphic recently went out promoting the event in a few months' time, and it only has blue and red on the poster. There's no yellow to be seen. There's no mention of NXT. It just says Raw SmackDown present Survivor Series. However, there is rumours of a War Games match being brought to Survivor Series. Starcade, WCW, end of year show, Survivor Series, WWE's Thanksgiving tradition, merging together for the War Games match. Scott, how much would you love to see a Raw and SmackDown War Games match? Oh
1: yeah. games. <laughs> 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 just bring up, just bring Big Charlie Dempsey up on the onto the main roster one week, like, and uh, please welcome the man who's the son of a a guy we're like, oh, not won't tell you his actual name. Uh, and just have him shout the word War Games, and then just bugger off back to NXT. But yeah, <laughs> I think its a case of you know Triple H he compromised for years when he asked, when he begged Vince in 2002, and Vince gave him the uh, gave him the elimination chamber. Now Vince is out the door. Of Triple H, like, Great. War Games on the main roster, which I've been thinking they should have done ages ago because the concept of the brand view brand thing and the the different teams, especially because the last few years. Like the title v title matches are one thing because, you know, they, they still make for good matches, even though usually it doesn't matter which champion, like, gets the win. But the 5 on 5 matches seem to be even more pointless because they're not fighting for anything. Whereas doing the 5 on 5 matches and putting them inside the War Games environment, I think, you know, one for the men's, one for the women's helped add some stakes to the match and that they should have done it, you know, a long time ago. I'm not too upset about any, you know, being featured because, you know, it was fun in 2019, but I don't think the NXT roster right now, even though you know it's better than when NXT 2.0 you know, first launched, it's still nowhere near as strong as it was back in 2019, so they're nowhere near the threat I don't think that they used to be. Give it a couple of years, maybe they will feature them again. But I'm fine with it being Ron SmackDown. But I want to know how they, they handle this, because I know we talked a few years ago, there was the rumors of Ross or Drew taking one of the belts off of Rome and they separate the belts again because... No, USA wants a belt and Fox want to have a belt. Uh, so, you guys got to think that means that both the tag and world belts would have to be separate separated by the time Survivor Series comes around because that's what the whole thing's built around. Like I said, the champion v. champion thing.
0: We, um, we saw Survivor Series um, 2017, uh, the lead up to that, a lot of titles changing hands. You know, Charlotte won the women's title, AJ won the WWE title. Uh, who was it? Was it AO, no, uh, the bar that took the oh, took the tag titles from the Shield, and led I, up to that, coffee uh, led up to that New Day versus Shield match. So, mm-hmm. I think you you maybe see it on TV, maybe because Survivor Series that year and Survivor Series uh, twenty nineteen, it was very much can't miss TV. It was. It was sensational stuff. You didn't know who was going to show up. You didn't know what title matches were happening. There was open challenges every other week. Um, so it was really it'll be really cool to see if titles change hands in the lead up to Survivor series with uh-huh. the likes of the likes of, you know, Drew maybe loses one of these belts or the Usos lose one of their belts or you know, God knows what's going to happen. Maybe they'll just do what they always do with these things because for a while it was just a case of right swap titles. Maybe they'll just go, look, you need to drop one of the titles because you need to focus on one of the brands and hey, you know what, I'm absolutely for that. Look, Because you don't look any weaker and when whoever gets moved over, whenever whoever drops the title, say it's Drew dropping, say, the Universal title and he stays on Raw as the WWE champion, if he gets moved back to SmackDown, you've got a legitimate claim to be the number one contender. You know what I mean? So, a lot work out in the end, I think. But yeah, I think Survivor Series this year, it's going to be, certainly going to be something that you can't miss. The TV will be something special.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty, you know, can't miss so far the last few weeks under Triple H. People have been talking about how different the, the weekly TV feels. And so, that's why I'm kind of not so optimistic, but I'm slightly more intrigued than having a few years about this, you know, rumored draft before Survivor Series, because you know it's now under Triple H. Triple H was around for the original, you know, brand split back in two thousand and two. So I'm curious to see how he decides to you know handle the whole brand v brand thing. But yeah, I, I, you had to think that the belts would have to be separated before then, and God knows. I know you've got, like, Drew and Cross and everything for, for Roman, but right now I'm racking my brains to think, who does he get to take one of those sets of titles from the Usos because we're only like, a couple of weeks away from Clash at the Castle and there's no indication of any challengers for them, you know. We yeah, had the Street Profits, but like we said a few weeks ago, they've lost twice, so they've not really got much of a claim. The New Day have just been battered by the Viking Raiders on a weekly basis, so they're not exactly looking like contenders. Usos couldn't even appear on Smackdown this week because of, I think it was Jimmy, his, his issues with the law couldn't get, I maybe mean, Usos couldn't appear on Smackdown this week because they were in Canada.
0: Yeah, um, and that'll certainly be a concern going forward if they have both belts. I think, um, going back to 2000, do you remember when uh, so Stephanie was the, w, the the WWF Women's Champion she never defended the belt. As soon as Mick Foley became commissioner, he made her defend it and mm-hmm. uh, made The Rock the special guest ref just so she couldn't try her shenanigans. So, And she ended up losing the belt quite handily to Lita. So I think you'll maybe see something like that with Usos like, oh, you want to interfere into Roman's matches? Well, tonight's a Lumberjack match and just all the Lumberjacks just beat the shit out of them. And... Yeah. Who, think, who, knows? who knows you could have uh, beat them I mean you've had Hit Row come up could be the sort of thing to kickstart them you know after Worlds Collide with people from NXT the former NXT UK going to NXT 2.0 you could have people from NXT make the jump to WWE
1: could be could be I'm uh, wondering if they do bring back the war games I think it'll make it more you know, worth watching what do you think they'll actually do if they do to actually put any stakes behind it? Because I imagine, you know, part of me would like to see the champions of the respective brands get kind a of lead in their teams. But I think if you're an end they're doing day one again. So I think it would be cool to do like teams of five and like say Team Raw wins and the Raw's got the WE title again. And the five members from Team Raw will then go into a five way match at day one. The winner fights the champion at the Royal Rumble.
0: That could be could be interesting. It could be that maybe Drew drops one of the titles and maybe does a cross brand title defense. Maybe he does, you know, oh, I'm represent I'm choosing to represent SmackDown, so I'll defend my title against a Raw guy, and actual your Raw SmackDown match for that. And maybe it's like, right, listen, the winners of War Games go into a, a Fatal Five Way or a Fatal Four Way or whatever it is, at day one, and then they fight for the vacated title, you know, maybe, may, maybe that's what happens, maybe NXT is involved, and we're just overthinking it, because it is a, just an early tickets on sale now sort of poster, but <laughs> yeah, that, that's what this show's about, it's us putting prediction out there, us fantasy booking, and then us making no acknowledgement when we're absolutely wrong. <laughs> I
1: just, um, I'm, I know I keep going, I know that's all like how hey, you're going to say because I generally can't see a you no, know, society going in the way that WWE insists on doing and making it all about brand warfare with you know unified worlds and and team champions. But I had another argument recently about why this belt should pretty much be unifi- uh, un- unified, ununified very soon because you know there's the talk that obviously like WrestleMania and Hollywood they want Rock versus Roman, and the idea is like if they don't separate the belts, then that basically means Rock has to win the Royal Rumble in order to defy that match and people were annoyed about Brock Lesnar winning this year's Rumble. I'm sure there'll be a section out there who would uh, not be so optimistic about The Rock just randomly coming and said, oh yeah, I'm winning the Royal Rumble this year. You end up being among them though.
0: Yeah. I, I was about to say myself and Alan Whitlacoose would not be amongst those people. We would be firmly for Rock winning the Rumble. Rightfully so. <laughs> but, um, no, no, I absolutely get what you mean. Um, but from... Must watch TV and must watch pay per views to must see live events. Uh, WWE this past weekend had Trish Stratus on their live events. Maybe bringing back the the days where legends used to pop up as guests and fossils and guest referees. Maybe exp- sell some extra tickets. But someone you won't be seeing showing up at the live events and WWE is Jeff Jarrett. He was in charge of the live events seeing his exact title was Senior Vice President of Live Events but apparently he's no longer in the position uh, it looks like Triple H but, uh, very much back in WWE and very much uh, trying to put his own people in these positions
1: I'm surprised we didn't have Triple H popping up overall, i so see you guys once again Jeff you're Double G, Double O, Double N Double E Gone, like instead back in two thousand and one, but or or maybe Triple H being a massive Ric Flair mark still thinks it's real and saw what Ric Flair what happened to Ric Flair during that tag match or Ric Flair's last match and just one Jeff like how could you do that to Ric? You're you're done, mate. You're done.
0: Maybe rumors rumors run wild, but yeah, it seems that Triple H is very much filling the. We talked about uh, Stephanie being the the chairwoman and co CEO, uh, along with um, along with Nick. Can it looks like those guys are very much stuck to the business side of it, and everything wrestling wise has been very much a Triple H call. I
1: think that's uh, fair enough because I think it's the idea of second tier, your like they know more about actual like day to day corporate business kind of stuff and Triple H is a wrestler, so he, and he's, to, he's running NXT, so the case of, you know, he runs the wrestling side, because, you know, I'm sure he, he may have watched wrestling growing up, but I don't know if Nick can really, if he asked him maybe be in a wrestling you know, centric role in W he would really know much about what he was meant to do, you know, because his background is in is in business, so he's collaborating, everybody's sticking to their own thing, and nobody's getting involved in him nobody's you know, stepping over and into somebody else's business i think it seems like you know more of a collaborative effort rather than just vince overseeing everything and so, so he forgets what he was doing the previous week like we'll do this thing we already did that we'll do it again
0: yeah and and i think that's where wwe is going to go from strength to strength it's As you said, it's a collaborative effort. It's people sticking to their strengths and it's not one guy who's increasingly out of touch. You know, not his fault. It happens when people get older. Um, But yeah, increasingly out of touch and increasingly running himself into the ground, you know, surrounding himself with glad-handing yes men, as CM Punk said, more on him later on, Um, just to get the job done. You know, I think... It's good that we're in this stage, but I feel sorry for Jeff because I like Jeff Jarrett. But hey, bound for glory coming up. Jeff Jarrett gone from that position. Maybe we'll hear. What a fire truck's going to pull up? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off! I did go to I did go to do really high pitch, and my voice just kind of went oh, at the start of it. I that was Jeff Jarrett's TNA theme. People.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm wondering. You know, he's been heavily involved, I think, in helping Conrad Thompson. I think he was big part of putting on Rick Clare's last match. This free him up to maybe Nick Starka, Jeff Jarrett's last match.
0: Teaming with Vince Russo, because that's what the people want.
1: No, the rematch of the decade. Jeff Jarrett, David Arcade
0: Oh for God's sake. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be... sorry, on you go.
1: I was saying, book it Conrad, go on, you've clearly got the morals, you put your 70 plus year old father-in-law in a ring.
0: Well, the the G1 Climax uh, over in New Japan has just finished. Um, If you want to listen to an in-depth analysis of that, then it'll be East meets West in a few weeks' time where they'll break down the entire G1. But, Scott, this is your area of expertise, so as assistant to the co-host... I will allow you to ramble on about the Japanese side of wrestling.
1: All right, quick summation of it. Uh, it was a four-block format this year, first thing they have done that since 2000, where they had four blocks, the two winners of each, winners of A block and D, and B block for each other, winners of C and D block for each other, and then there was a big G1 Climax final. Uh, Katsuchiko Okada won the A block, Tamajonga won the B block, Upsetting g White on the final night, Will Os, to Naito with a surprise world for ZSJ Zach Saber Junior. won the C block and Will Osprey, to tiebreakers over Shingo Takagi, managed to win the D block. Osprey then went on to beat Naito and Okada defeated Tamatonga, so that led to the big uh, G1 Climax final where Okada came on top of the G1 Climax, making that his overall fourth win in the G1 tournament and. He is, joins like the Masahiro Chono and Koibishi, an elite group of people, to win the, the G1 Climax in back to back years. Which means he will then go on to Wrestle Kingdom 17 next year, which has also been announced going back to one night, not two. And he will face IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Jay White. So there's a lot more about the tournament and everything. They went on the frankly bonkers way that they confused everybody about how the way the blocks were set. Uh, Okada being a dick. About not wanting to, you know, defend his title show against people he lost to during the tournament, saying, "Oh, that devalues the the G One win," like a fucking prick. So, me and Graham and Robbie will be giving out to people like Okada discussing all the bonkers shit that happened during the G One and upcoming episode of East Meet West, which has been recorded in a few days' time.
0: Well, thank you for that. I know absolutely not. No, I, I do know some of those people, um, but I I only know that Okada won it, and I know he's won it about four times, and. Yeah, the john his, of Japan. Japan. Um,
1: this is his fourth time. Also, it was the this is the eighth time he and Osprey when they've met in the finals, the eighth time they've met in a one on one singles contest, and the record is now seven and one in Okada's favour.
0: Well, Osprey will always have that one, and no one can take it from him. Um You mentioned you um, mentioned um, Wrestle Kingdom going back to one night. Is there any reason given for that or is it just a case of COVID's over we can get a full Tokyo Dome?
1: Well no I think they they did two night Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago when they were doing the whole unification of the two main singles belts and then they kind of kept it going I think COVID played a part and them to do it then they did a third night this year because of their 50th year and they wanted to do a they co-promoted show with no pro Wrestling No on the third night so I'm guessing they just want to go back to you know how Risk Kingdom used to be, where basically it means that, you know, there's no filler on either show. So everybody, every match matters on a Risk Kingdom card. And they've announced that New Year's Dash, which is the, basically their equivalent of the Raw After Mania, will we returning on the 5th of January, the night after. So no real reason has been really given to, but they have also announced that their UK show that they were planning a Royal Quest is going to happening over two nights on the 1st and 2nd of October and Grant McRobbie is raging because he's in London that week but he's already got other stuff booked
0: well my heart bleeds purple fish for him anyway moving on uh, moving on uh, to, from New Japan to AEW um, CM Punk versus John Moxley not at all out mm. it will be CM Punk versus John Moxley on what looks like the go home show uh, before all out title versus title um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about with Punk, his comments on Hangman the poor morale backstage etc but what what is Tony Khan thinking putting this match on TV and not main eventing a pay per view with it I like, think
1: uh, it's interesting because all this happened this week on, on Dynamite the match and um, you know, it was built last week Is you know, Moxley and and Punk had an exchange of words. They then brought in Moxley, like, I'm sick of being called an interim champion. I don't want to wait no more. I want to do it next week. Which is fair enough, because we see the stuff he's been doing as champion then having to call him interim. It is kind of, kind of like, disrespectfully Moxley. And it's said by Meltzer that he, like, he's not heard anything about an alternative. So, like, this is both penciled in as a match on Dynamite this week and also the main event of All Out. So is there a chance this ends in a screwy finish and then leads to Another match where you definitely get an a champion at all out, who knows? Like people word is that uh, Tony Khan's original plan for All Out before Punk India was a rematch with Hangman, so maybe they'll use these comments that Punk made to facilitate Punk beating uh John Moxley and then Hangman coming out and setting up a rematch at All Out. I really don't know. Feels like a lot of what Tony Khan had planned for Punk's, you know, AW title reign went out the window the minute Punk got injured and everything since has been a basically a, an attempt to to try and keep up with everything that happens
0: I know it's, it's absolutely it's amazing that um, that they kept the title on Punk I think it should just have been a case of look shit happens you're injured they could always just have him win the title straight back you know what I mean and we could have done away with this interim shit but um Yeah, we mentioned um, Hangman Adam Page, the comments CM Punk made. um, There was a chant of cowboy shit in support of Hangman Page, but CM Punk called him a coward shit, um, asked for an apology and says the apology has to be as public as the disrespect. It just looks like CM Punk's ego you know reading its ugly head again and it's it's ironic that CM Punk's so upset about comments Hangman Adam Page made apparently it's stuff that was we don't have an exact quote of what he's upset at it's just apparently the build-up he wasn't happy with um he challenged uh, Hangman Adam Page to a match in Hangman Adam Page's hometown Adam Page was never supposed to be part of the segment People have said Hangman was in a lose-lose spot. He couldn't come out to the ring because he wasn't part of the segment. He couldn't exactly rush past Tony Khan and Gorilla and go, yeah, let's do this. But by staying backstage, he's like, Punk's like, yeah, you're a coward, you're a coward. And it's just, it it seemed really unprofessional on Punk's behalf. Hmm.
1: Oh, and... I remember hearing about it before actually watching the segment, and then you see it and you're like, Jesus Christ, because he does basically full-on challenges him, sits down in the ring, waits for him, everybody's waiting, and once they quickly realise that Hangman hasn't come out, they all start booing, and, like, he's basically you know making who was their number one face, almost or maybe second, if you he, if he fight think Moxley's the number one face, look like he's at a coward, because he didn't come out for a, a fight that he didn't know about, like, Hangman was in the building but it wasn't exactly in Gorilla, he was somewhere else in the in the arena because he had other stuff he was doing on the show so Hangman, unbeknownst to him is getting called out and being called a coward and doesn't even know about it and a lot of people, you know, he's not he seen as a conf- confrontational person so you know, a lot of people knew he probably wouldn't do much, you know, about it but everybody's seemingly on there are a lot of people who are on his side in the AEW locker room if you believe the, the reports and you know, people have been sharing clips of stuff that hangman said, and um, promoting up to a double or nothing, trying to trying their best to pinpoint what it might have been that that annoyed Punk so much. But I'm, every clip I've watched, I'm like, this this seems pretty tame com- in comparison to what other people have said about Punk. I mean, this isn't none of the stuff that hangman says is the worst thing that's been said about Punk in a promo this year. Considering this man was in a a feud for much of early twenty twenty two with MJF, who's <laughs> known for crossing the line and annoying people with his promos but the one line that people keep referring to is one that said you keep calling punk a hypocrite for claiming to care about workers rights or whatever and claiming that he doesn't and so supposedly in a promo even though I can't find the line where he does reference it he there was references to the punk Coke Cabana like lawsuit and everything where a lot of people did say with Coke Cabana when everything came out about that and no, I don't think it's a coincidence that you know, the more function featured on TV, the less we've seen of Colt Cabana.
0: Well, yeah, this is this is something I was going to go into about Tony Khan, and um, I'm just going to read something here. This was from a a page called All Elite Wrestling News. It posted an article. That Dave Meltzer put up, it said with the news that CM Punk and Hangman Page reportedly have backstage heat in AEW it turns out it could just be the tip of the iceberg a report from Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Newsletter suggests that there's a currently tons of backstage drama in AEW, allegedly involving many of the top guys, emotions are so high that Meltzer states that it feels like a number of people are close to their breaking point if things don't get settled it's believed the catalyst for all this recent problems is Colt Cabana, with Cabana believed to have been heading for an AEW exit before numerous members of the locker room spoke up for him, leading to Tony Khan signing him up for Ring of Honor. Cabana and Punk's complicated past is no secret, and with Cabana and Hangman having been mates in the Dark Order, it's easy to see how things could have snowballed. Uh, reports earlier, surfaced suggesting that AEW locker room was split following Punk's Punk going off script to bash Hangman on August 17th, Uh, Meltzer suggested Tony Khan simply needs to sit down and air everything out before it gets worse it's as if the roles in the locker room have reversed with things looking to get a lot better in WWE but in AEW since the arrival of many ex-stars they've brought with them egos and more backstage politics which has changed the once big family feel to a pack mentality, locker room in AEW reportedly being toxic and divided Um, yeah so see Tony Khan uh, he he had plenty of comments to make about Vince McMahon releasing people. Uh, WWE not caring about the talent. WWE, you know, just just using wrestlers to their limit and then just letting them go. Tony Khan wouldn't release anyone because he was too cowardly to do so and didn't want any of the bad bad publicity. So he basically left these guys to rot. These guys could have been out there making money. These guys could have got the release for... Quick enough to criticize WWE when they don't give Superstars a release. It should be the exact same in AEW. Cole Cabana was one of the one of the guys on the original shows when AEW were doing monthly shows. He done he done a couple of the Battle Royals. He then signed with the company. He was part of Dark Order, one of their most popular stables. He brought uh he brought a big fan base over with him. He was, you know, back in the days before Indie Wrestling blew up, you could say Colt Cabana was the most popular indie wrestler there was and as soon as he gets a chance to sign up CM Punk Colt Cabana is thrown to the wheel so as not to upset CM Punk it's only when the locker room speaks up he goes "All right, we'll just move him to Ring of Honor and we've seen this as well and I mentioned this last week that we've seen it with Big Slow, we've seen it with uh, Jonathan Gresham that every time someone leaves AEW Every time someone leaves of their own accord, it's not just a case of it didn't work out. They're bashed and buried on the way out and it's made that they're the problem, not the atmosphere in AEW. And again, going back to stuff we mentioned week after week after week on Central, the continuing signing of guys and Impact's released a guy, sign him. New Japan's released a guy, sign him. WWE released a guy, sign him. This has just led to there being too many top guys, too many guys not getting the push they feel they deserve. You then make a second show rampage and then don't feature any of your guys on it. You start bringing Ring of Honor guys in. You start bringing Impact guys in. You start bringing New Japan guys in. And then you wonder why all of a sudden the guy who was toxic 10 years ago coming in, you're not using... Your homegrown stars, releasing people who were there to help build your company, and then not featuring any of the talent of of the talent of AEW on these sh- on your main shows, featuring everyone else's talent, and then wondering, gee, why why is my locker room suddenly quite unhappy? Oh well, it's a mystery to me, Tony, but I think there's a big pile of evidence there. If you want to go check it out, it might fucking tell you why. uh uh-huh.
1: Oh, it's it, just, it does seem like a mess. And, like, Tony, like you told about Hangman not being confrontational. I think Tony has tried to not be so confrontational with people. I think, it's like he said, like he needs to zip people down and, like, air their grievances. Otherwise, things aren't going to progress. You know, I know Punk's such a fan of, of Bret Hart, but if we don't want a, a Bret, you know, Sean situation with him and Moxley or him and Hangman where they're, they're not willing to work together because they just can't get along and they just there's such heat between the two of them backstage. And the stuff with Colt Cabana. I mean, the last thing I've known he did under a, an AW banner was when that Brian, when Brian Dineson was going through Dark Order members in the way to challenge a hangman and basically he just got battered in his hometown town by, by Brian Dynaston. I think he legit got a teeth knocked it by a straight kick from, from Brian Dineson. And that's the last major thing he did in in and fair enough, he's got the history with Ring of Honor, like, oh, we'll send him there. But like you clearly Tony totally, like you, I know you're a big fan of Ring of Honor, and that's why you bought it to you know help them out when they were struggling financially and everything. But you clearly don't have the time, amongst everything else you're doing, to run Ring of Honor. Like you've done two shows and and since you bought it. So clearly you need somebody else in if you want to make it a more weekly show, you bring somebody else in who can oversee Ring of Honor. Because like saying that or oh, we'll send this guy a ring of honor for now when you're only running shows every so often basically means we're paying this guy to do nothing and until um until like every maybe three months or so he might wrestle on a major <laughs> ring of honor so he might get time on one of those shows along with everybody else who kept under contract from ring of honor and it, it, it does seem like amazing like you said like a lot of talent is suffering because like they get brought in they get a bit of a push but then other people get brought in And another prime example of people who have kind of gotten lost in the Chevrolet AW is Lance Archer. He got brought into the G1 this year. He was in the A-block, right? And there was a summer show domain where they announced all the participants, like, New Japan crowds aren't meant to make noise right now. They're going to be allowed to be vocal on an upcoming tour in September. But then for this point, they weren't allowed to be vocal. And then Lance Archer's name came up and there was a big loud, oh, from the japan crew because they remember lance archer and new japan and how much of a, a monster he was and then he came back over and surprised a lot of people and reminded a lot of people how good he can actually be he came within one match of winning the A block only to lose it in Oka in the main event of the final block night and but up until that point believably many people think he could advance and go to the semi-finals of the g1 in japan like you know Sometimes you do need to let people go and like I know you may not like it, but like, it doesn't mean they can't ever come back. Like, listen, we don't have anything for you right now, but you clearly you know, need to feed your family or you need if you want to wrestle, we'll let you go. Go wrestle somewhere else. And if you, you know, the lines of communication will always be open if you want to come back. But like you say, the way they went about it like not communicating with people like buddy Joey Janelle in the past and everything, and quietly let quietly letting go people like Alan Angel's go who've actually Done really well for him He popped up an impact in other places, but you know, and, and I was, remember you and John, i should have talked about the stuff you said about where all of a sudden it's their fault when somebody leaves like a big swallow or joint ingression. But you know, you can like you say, that's not really good business to do that when somebody gets let go because you know there was all the stuff about Bray Wyatt and Keith Lee being quote unquote difficult to work with, but it came out that really their biggest crime was disagreeing with the shit they were being given and Asked, Why am I doing this and Daring to ask questions, and so you know you can't condemn WWE for trying to pin the blame on WWE talent that tried to argue back with them, and they let go, and they try to brand as difficult, but also stick up for Tony Khan against quote-unquote difficult talent because when you look at it, much as Tony Khan like, doesn't like to think it, with some of the tactics he's done regarding releasing people, aren't that far from tactics that WWE has done, and I know you don't, I know they're not pleasant, but unfortunately this is what business people do sometimes.
0: Well, no, absolutely. And, you know, WWE used to have their yearly sort of spring cleaning sort of thing. And uh, you you see football, you know, John and I made a lot of football team analogies last week. Football teams at the end of the season tend to announce, you know, by the way, thank you for, thank you, Player X, for two great seasons. But, um, at the end of their contract, they are going to leave the club. Uh, they leave with everyone's best wishes. You know, they don't they don't keep them and not play them. You know what I mean? Well, Chelsea do, but you know, um, like you know, teams need to let players go. Players, not everyone can be in the starting eleven in a football team. And in wrestling, not everyone can be top of the fucking card. And unfortunately. Tony doesn't seem to recognize And you mentioned the Ring of Honour thing, and we've mentioned the Japan partnership and the Impact partnership. It's it's ironic that, as Tony Khan's taking on too much, his show's suffering, whereas when WWE's went to a compartmentalized, right, Triple H does the wrestling, Shawn Michaels is in charge of NXT now, Stephanie and Tony, Tony, no, Tony Khan, Nick Khan, Will take charge of the the business side of things. It's amazing how WWE has progressed and AEW went backwards. It's you know, you know, making mistakes that WCW made. Maybe getting a bit too big too early and then trying to, you know, run two promotions at the once. Maybe Tony can needs needs a, a right hand man.
1: Yeah, because like like john was raising a point about you know last week we we're just shy of two weeks away from all that we know and all we know i think the casino you know, ladder match coming back for that show so we have that the uh, finals of the trios tournament and i think also you'd assume the world title we defended we thought it was going to be pumped moxley but then that's at the window so we you know two matches for you know like he said, possibly the second biggest baby. People keep arguing between Double or Nothing or All Out, which is a bigger one, but it's basically one of your biggest shows of the year, and we barely know the card for it. And again, that's that shows that, that's a real does seem like a real lack of planning in some cases. You know where they don't know what exactly they're doing with a lot of people, and I look at the AEW and I don't know what they are going to do with all of the the people come all out. Uh, I don't know, there's just a real lack of direction towards the booking of of All Out, because it feels like Punk, they were held holding out all their hopes on Punk coming back, and Punk finally could come back, and then all of a sudden the planned, what we all thought was the planned All Out main event is happening this week.
0: Yeah, um, I'm I'm just looking at the card, Um, there's four matches. Two matches, we don't know the participants. Uh, the tournament final for the Trio's title, I imagine the Elite will take on House of Black. That's my my predictions. Uh, casino Ladder match, participants to be determined. Uh, Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm, which seems like it's been going on for ages. Um, the women's division suffering once again in AEW. And then the pinnacle, Wardlow and FTR taking on The Lethal Connection. Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sonjay Dutt in a six-man tag match. So there is... Jesus. Oh, no,
1: let, let, me, let me interrupt you there, bro. like, Fuck me. Like, what the fuck is happening here with that match? It's a Rampage main event and not a good one. Like, <laughs> I like Jane in um, TNA and I like Jeremy of but you've been shite since you came here. <laughs> AW and the stuff with Sanjay and San Singh hasn't helped your stock at all like why is FTR not focusing on like we've got all these belts but the belts we really want is the AW tag belts because no offence to Swerve in our glory we should really be called strictly business uh, <laughs> like you were kind of doing together but like the team everybody really wants with those belts is FTR and Wardlow or well, the team TDA should actually be defended on pay-per-view it's not been defended in the last three or so pay-per-views I don't think the TNT title so I don't know what's happened with that Like even when they announced, when they announced that triple threat match that Lee and Swerve won to win the title, titles the whole time the Bucks were about to announce it all the crowd could do was chant FTR
0: there you are so and there is obviously the issues there that the the rumours that AA FTR refused to um, Sorry, uh, the Young Bucks refused refuse to put FTR over.
1: I really don't know what's happening with that. Thing. I, I, I bet you the dynamite that we, the, the go home dynamite, is going to be like, okay, that bit where does the whole, like, and there's all this, 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 this happening, this happening. Happen. He's going to, in that rapid fire, announce four matches for. All out, and then another fucking three for the buy-in on the following rampage. Because <laughs> some of these lower card matches, they leave up to Excalibur because he can just rapidly throw a lot of information about what's coming up. He's got that auctioneer voice sometimes.
0: <laughs> it's um, it's amazing, actually. All out. Um, last year was the last time the TNT title was defended on a pay-per-view. Um, it's, it's, it's heading for a streak like the IC title. Um, before we move on to. Before
1: we move on. Sorry, Nico. I, I think, you know, the I've heard one or two people say this, and I very much agree. Miro losing that title is when it started going downhill. Because I know he tried to send a lot, but as soon as he got the whole switching it with Cody, and then after the lot of matches, switching it with Scorpio, and then him being a heel, because you know, I have a girlfriend. What a concept. And then, then oh, one out before Sky could get a proper rain with it. You know. I yeah. don't know what's
0: happening
1: with that fucking belt.
0: Um, We talked about the Anacron title. A match recently added to Clash at the Castle. Uh, Gunther versus Sheamus. Sheamus Never won the Intercontinental title. This will be the first time the Intercontinental title was defended on pay per view since WrestleMania 37, night two. So, a long awaited return to pay per view for the Intercontinental title and Gunther versus Sheamus, two big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. And um, I remember when that, that lineup for the Five Way was out, a more contenders match so have to be going to like. It's gotta be Seamus it has to be. And yeah, like Seamus even got a promo on Talking Smack about, you know, just the one title that's eluded me. I've tried everything to put that title in my path and now, now it's in my path and you know, I'm basically says to come through, I'm coming to batter you. And I like when Seamus gets enough proper slugfest with people because of how white he is and when he gets a proper beating on his chest, his chest goes a weird old shade of pink that it seems a lot more luminous because he's so pale I'm wondering what shades of pink or purple his chest can look like after a a run-in with Gunther
0: well we won't have long to find out Um, also this past week in Smackdown uh, a quick change to the women's tag title tournament it looked like it was going to be Zoe Starks and Nikita Lyons. Turns out Zoe Starks is carrying an injury. Nikita Lyons is unvaccinated, so she wasn't allowed into Canada. Uh, step up the former two-time NXT Women's Champions Toxic Attraction, JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. Uh, they defeated uh, Sonia Deville and Natalia. Scott, I thought, me and John spoke about how uh, Lyons and Stark, it was just a showcase for them, but I really think Toxic Attraction can go the whole way here.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if that was the case, like if Starks and Hounds would have won, or if this is because Toxic Attraction were involved. But you know, good for them. They're, I don't think they're going to win the tournament in the end. But I think it's just a showcase for them so that people can maybe get a chance to get to know them if they don't watch NXT. And then when they're inevitably moved up to the main roster alongside Mandy Rose once our Triple HS reign of terror finally ends. With uh, the Women's Tale in NXT, then you know, then they can all move over the trio because I think I'd like to see, you know, maybe a good version of when they had Absolution and Riot Squad on different brands where you have like Toxic Attraction on SmackDown and Bailey's on Raw, which I don't know if I forgot to mention this earlier on. Supposedly their name might have been revealed because they'd be too for damage control. But control felt like control key on a keyboard.
0: Alright. Like styles with a Z because it's cool.
1: Yes. So, also speaking of damage control, they were also on the front row, smacking right behind Michael Cole, heckling them during the during the Alliance during the Natalia Sonya versus Celtic Attraction match.
0: Yeah, the two uh, Bailey tormenting Michael Cole is something that I just I don't think ever gets old, does it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> we got we had an interview back then like, well I had to come back here, this is my house to I How how did you see guys of that idiot Michael Cole? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Poor Michael. Um moving on to Impact Wrestling, I'm Bound for Glory. Uh their WrestleMania style show, their biggest show of the year. Or second biggest, depending on who you ask. Slam sometimes takes that title. But Bound for Glory. The main event has been set. It's Josh Alexander. He's coming up for nearly nearly seven months with the title. No, six months, six months with the title, after winning it back in Rebellion back in April. And he's going to take on the leader of Honor No More, Eddie Edwards. Uh, Scott, we've been waiting for this for a while, ever since Eddie Edwards was revealed as the leader of Honour No More, and it looks like he's finally getting his title shot.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I was intrigued when I saw the, the line up for the six win match that, that Eddie won to to get this title shot. He's had quite a few former champions in there, but I think his makes the most sense. He's so, got quite a few strong, settled defences. He's a little shelly, so he was a lot. Delly than it was about him. So I think he's needed a proper story to go along with the great matches that he's been having, like a story that you kind of is on a similar level to the story the, the great story that they told with him and Moose the winning the title. And I think I think I think something along the lines of him trying to find impact from the, the guy who defected away and turned his back on impact and Eddie Edwards uh be a like, great story. And uh, I'm the face of impact. I I represent Impact Wrestling. And he's going up against a guy who used to represent Impact Wrestling, and now turned his back on them. I think they could tell a really strong story with that. And you know, I'm interested to see how they play in a betrayal. I was thinking the other day that maybe they could do something with Honor No More versus like Josh and a couple of partners, and like the winner like decides to like the stipulation for the main event at Bound for Glory.
0: Well, we've seen that uh, obviously due to their win over the Bullet Club at Emergence, uh, On and more now have a tag title shot against the Good Brothers. I think you'll probably see the Good Brothers defending uh, defending Josh Alexander uh, at Victory Road because that is two weeks before Bound for Glory. But yeah, I, I like the story Eddie Edwards told. You know, or the story that Eddie Edwards has leading into this. You know, he was. You know, Impact sort of became popular again in, uh, in the summer of 2020 when a lot of WWE superstars were released, a lot of WWE superstars were teased uh, to be returning. We saw the likes of Heath, uh, The Good Brothers, EC3, Eric Young, all either debut or return to Impact Wrestling. From there on, Impact went from strength to strength and that night, Eddie Edwards won the world title. He then lost the title to Eric Young, who lost to Rich Swann. Then we had Kenny Omega with his, you know, 10 belts of terror <laughs> sort of reign. And the likes of Moose, Sammy Callahan. Well, they were all picked to go try to get that title back, try to go bring that title back to impact. And Eddie Edwards says... He felt betrayed that he gave, he's basically given his life to Impact. He's a two-time Impact champion. He could have went elsewhere. He chose to remain loyal. And yet, when they needed someone to step up and he wanted to step up, they wouldn't let him. They chose other people. And those other people failed. And then he basically said, I, he has no loyalty anymore to Impact. I love the story of refusing to represent impact at the Multiversa matches. He chose to represent Pro Wrestling Noah instead. And yeah, it's just, this is like his boss battle. This is his Thanos moment. Can he get the Thanos snap here and take the title from the people who wouldn't let him go get the title back in the first place? He wanted to take it for them. Now he's going to take it from them. And I love that story. Yeah, I mean, I
1: don't think I thought about like Orton, No More versus Josh and Originally, I thought maybe the Good Brothers, but I'm wondering if it'll maybe be like the people who challenge Orton, No More. I do think Orton, No More are going to take Taven and Bennett are going to take the title from the Good Brothers because they're coming two nights Tudes in in, in uh, Texas on the 26th and 27th of August. The Good Brothers we met Taven and Bennett booked for the first night, but curiously on the second night, the Brothers are booked for a non-title match against the Machine Guns, and it said that. Good Brothers might be appeared more in Japan in the later part of this year because Carl Anderson has been booked at the end of September for a, a defensive his never open weight bell against Tanahashi. Also, New Japan had their annual World Tag League tournament that runs from November to December. Which I imagine they'll want the Good Brothers involved in because also they were a major used to be a major part of New Japan's tag division. So, like the idea like they drop it down and no more. I think what them to do some New Japan stuff, which and they can always come back to Impact Wrestling because. Look, at had a strong presence and an impact for a good year or so. And then you'd maybe put the machine guns back together properly in the tag division and then go after on or more at the, at the pay-per-view. Well, I do mean, you see if they actually give Edwards the belt? I mean, imagine if he did win it, he'd only hold it for a lot while. Let me lose it back to Alexander, but it would be cool. So like him, with the world belt on it' and uh, Bennett with the tag belts. He even send Kenny King after Mike Bailey in the next division belt,
0: why not? Why not indeed? Um yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I I always think with these um with these sort of specials that Impact do on Impact Plus, y- you never really expect the world title to change hands. You don't think the world title's in jeopardy, but I think his title's in jeopardy here. You know, he's going in outnumbered, he's going up against Eddie Edwards with a point to prove. I think Eddie Edwards is walking out of Bound for Glory with the world title and who knows, if he holds it the next big pay-per-view you know, Impact does four pay-per-views a year Hard to Kill in January Rebellion in April uh, Slammiversary in July and Bound for Glory in October the rest are sort of monthly specials where some things happen but not a lot in the terms of world title pictures, it's sort of just a, a showcase match for the world champion I don't see I don't see Eddie Edwards losing the title on any of these specials either. I think he's holding it to at least rebellion if he wins the title.
1: I would imagine who, if I, I was talking with my friend Paul, he's a big Impact fan as well, and we were talking about him, he says, like if it's not Alexander wins it, but we think it'd be cool to see him go into something with Sammy Callaghan, because they had such a long multi-year feud, but it was always Eddie the good guy. Sammy is the bad guy, but now the roles would be reversed with Sammy as the bad, as the good guy and Eddie is the bad guy. <laughs> and it would be kinda of cool see how they can kind of reverse you know, the situation, even have maybe have Sammy win the belt from win the belt from Eddie because Sa- Sammy is a former world champion, but he was basically set up as a transitional champion to eventually drop it to to Tessa Blanchard and that worked out for the best, <laughs> didn't it?
0: I mean, it worked out for Eddie Edwards. He won the title a few months later. So you know, Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I'd I'd like to see Ace Austin eventually win the title, but I hope it doesn't result in more Bullet Club versus Honor. No more. But I think for now, they wrung that towel out dry. Like I think we need to wait for a while. But I'd love to see Ace Austin, an Impact guy, go and get it because it was you know Moose was very much built up as an impact guy. He was a great world champion. Josh Alexander was an impact guy. And I'd love to see more homegrown talent. You know, the impact is going back to that homegrown talent sort of thing. And I'd love to see Ace Austin with a world title eventually. But hey, we're getting far ahead of ourselves. We're booking the next champion after the next champion. If there even is a next champion, Josh Alexander could keep going. You know, he is the Man after all, but We'll round it up there for this week's Central. Um, Scott, obviously, we talk about the curse of Central, Raw tonight, Edge Wrestling in Toronto, Trish is scheduled for the show, Beth Phoenix rumoured to be backstage, the build-up to Clash for Castle, the women's tag title tournament continues, we've got Kai and Sky versus Asuka and Alexa. So much to happen and so much for you and someone else to talk about on Central next week while I'm sunning it up in Turkey.
1: Yeah, I'm sure everything leading into the go home like week, uh, for classic castle and all, and world decline. And uh, I'm sure those two shows will lead, will have a, a lot for us to talk about in the following central. So yes, I'll I'll take the reins here. You know, I'll handle the, these two loaded centrals while you go sit in your arse You know, burning away in the Turkish sun. Hi, uh, I don't burn. I tan. Thank you kindly. Yeah, so you tan like fucking Kramer in that one episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this, uh, you know, you don't been consistent, and you know, be the only host of central. But you've you sure have been picking a lot of holidays and being very inconsistent this past year. But you know, it's nothing new. I'm here to pick up the slack.
0: I mean you have no plans so you may as well anyway <laughs> moving on uh, thank you very much for listening to this week's Central if you want to listen to our past Centrals our feature shows our East Meets West our Saturday Draft Lives you can listen to them Eat Sleep Suplex retweet they are available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and all good Android podcasting sites and of course if you want to tell me how much better host I am than the jabronis that will be replacing me for the next few weeks you can find us at Suplex Retweet Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet you Community is where you'll find us as well you can uh, get involved in in-depth conversations and show research with our panelists uh, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you soon bye bye there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for quiz showdown hello guys welcome to quiz showdown i'm daniel campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the eat sleep suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're gonna have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.